Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Holland. Thanks for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business yourself is hard. So hurrah for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business, so you only pay for what you actually need. And they give you access to a legal and tax helpline there should you need it. Get cover for your work, your tools, your reputation. It feels better being protected, being freelance. Work hard, insure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the grown-up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. But by now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For web developer, Stephen Adams. Specialising is so important now because you start to set yourself differently from other people. All your marketing around it can be focused around that. And I think that really helps you set yourself apart from others. Even though others are doing something similar, but you can be really, this is what I do. If you need somebody help doing that, I'm the person for that. If your skills aren't up to speed and you don't know the latest stuff, you'll find it hard to keep working find new projects so you do have to spend a lot of time learning new things building side projects washing up courses keeping your skills up to speed i think writing a book helps you have a good understanding it does give you that kind of level that you are a specialist in that and i think that helps with opening doors to other things eventually yeah so there is Stephen. his story coming up very soon indeed Welcome to another one then. Podcast going out weekly on a Sunday. Another weekly chat thing happening now as well on a Tuesday. So this is on Twitter. If you go to at being freelance on Twitter, Tuesdays at 2pm UK time. Find out whatever that is where you are. It's like 9am if you're in the East Coast in the US, for example. But last time we did this, we had somebody in Australia at midnight. So 2pm UK time on a Tuesday on Twitter, I'm starting a new Twitter space. I've really enjoyed it so far. Lots of good feedback. Uh, it's a chance for you to get involved and share your opinions and listen to other people's on freelancing topics. So a bit different from the podcast itself. It's more about discussing freelancing and doing it together. It's a bit like a talk radio show. If you've not sort of done a Twitter space before, chance for you all to get together and somebody hosts which in this case is me and then everybody else can chip in with their thoughts really good really like it it's tuesday 2 p.m uk time uh, and the twitter is at being freelance so head over there now take a look you can usually set a reminder so that it tells you that you should join and if you do i will see you over there for that okay I've spent all of my introduction telling you about that, but I'm glad I have because I like it and it would be nice to see you over there. Should we crack on? Hear from this week's guest and that is freelance web developer Stephen Adams. Hey, Stephen. Hello. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? About 10 years ago, I was working for a a startup in London. They decided to start moving over to the US. So they took a couple of employees and started to grow their business out there. And as part of that, they got a new tech manager within the company. And he started to basically get rid of everybody in London. So got made redundant there. And then I had to kind of find something new to do. I wasn't really looking to, to go freelance. I was just looking for something. And then I saw a contract role come up for a company down in Camden. Applied for the job. Got the job. Then had to do all the stuff about setting up a business and setting <laughs> up a bank account while I started working. <laughs> and then... Um, 
And then, yeah, I've been doing that ever since. So it's been about just over 10 years now, I think. Well, so when you say it was a contracting job, yeah, what does that look like for you then? Like you're there for, um, I don't know, six months or a month or like what, yeah. what was that? They usually say it's like three months and then you'll get to the end of the three months and then they say, do you want another three months? And then you'll find you could be working with somebody for about a year. Um, <laughs> so it can keep on rolling and rolling and rolling. And I, I think I've had some contracts now that it's been two years, but that all sort of stopped recently because of the whole way that they tax people. So they can't keep people. I mean, I mean I've been places where they've had people on contract rates for five years and they can't do that anymore. So, Yeah, no, here in the UK that kind of changed, didn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. But for you doing it, so you tend to work on one project, like one client mm-hmm. at a time, like you're fully immersed. You might yeah. even go into their office. Yeah, yeah. I used to be down on site working for that one client for three, six months solid, just that. How do you cope then with, well, I guess that uncertainty Like at the end of that three months or like as you say it could be another three months yeah. or they might have finished and they they let you go like how do you deal with like lining up the next thing so i used to give myself about four weeks before it ended and then start talking to the recruitment agency to see if it was going to be extended or talking to the if i was getting on well with the people i worked with like the manager there start talking to them to see what they were thinking and then if uh there was no real answer sometimes i have looked around and they've left it and left it and left it and it's got right to the end and they said oh we'll like to renew you and I go well I've, I've got something else now lined up because you haven't told me <laughs> so they, so I have had a couple where I've said well I'm, I'm going to do something else now so I've yes. got on to something else oh it's like a relationship isn't it, it? is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so via recruitment agencies yeah. is that how you typically find work yeah that's what it used to be like when I started it used to be uh, you would go into like a job serve website, see a job, put your CV on there, fill in a bit of blurb about yourself and send that off. And then you'd get a recruitment agency ringing you back saying you applied for our job and then might give you details about it. And you go from there and then they put you forward for it and then you go for an interview. But now that's kind of changed a lot more. I think a lot more people are finding work through direct work through Twitter and social media, LinkedIn's getting more and more popular now i think people are finding you directly as well through things you might be doing outside work recruitment agencies are still like my main way of getting work but um i have a couple of times found work directly through linkedin and twitter as well hmm what where people have found you or you've found it um one of them was i was tweeting a lot about something i was doing and then somebody i sort of new on Twitter, worked with a company who were looking for somebody who could do what I was doing. And they put me forward. And then I started talking to the manager of that place. And it went from there. Another one, it was on LinkedIn. And you put on there uh, that you're open for work. And the internal recruiter for that company contacted me. They said that they need somebody for work for their client. And so I was working for that company on their client's project and that was through linkedin and if you get a job for a recruitment agency mm. like do they simply hand you over and they get a fee from that company or do you work via that agency no it's it's what they do is they just uh, they don't really do a great or they just um <laughs> they just get your cv 
they get it all arranged for the interview you go for the interview then if you get it they sort out all the paperwork the contracts and then that's it you don't really hear from them until it's renewal time and the rest of it is just me with the client directly on mm. site or remotely now is a lot more stuff these days remote yeah i haven't i've worked in an office now for i think uh, maybe two nearly three years now how have you found that difference uh, I, I really like working remotely now. Um, I used to be down in London and c- commuting for like a couple of hours a day. And I hated commuting and I still do. So whole remote working, I think, is, is ideal for me now. I really enjoy it. And I mean, what you used to find is you'd get developers and they'd come into the office and then you'd sit there with your headphones on for eight hours a day, blocking out all the chat that's going on around you. <laughs> but there was all these meetings. And then you'd go, right, See you tomorrow. And it's just, it's crazy. You just get on. They don't talk to anybody. You just sit there coding away all day long and then they go home. So it, I don't, I didn't see the point really of developers sitting around all these managers. All the time. I think it's just so people could watch and make sure you're working. I think that's what it was. So you said you got that first gig and it, suddenly you had to sort of set yourself yeah. up as a company. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a company name? Yeah. So I had to go make up a company name and then set myself up an account, uh, company's house, and then go to a bank and set up a bank account all while I was working on this contract. So it was a bit crazy. But yeah, so I had to set it all up myself and do all that. So what name did you come up with, like on the spur of the moment? So my company name is CGC Software. And the reason I came up with that is because my, my wife's name's Caroline my daughter's name's Georgia and my son's name's Charlie. So that was the CGC and then software because oh. it was a bit techy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. I thought you were about to say and software because that was the name of the guinea pig. <laughs> That's nice though. That's a nice yeah. personal, yeah. <laughs> nice personal touch. I have, to, I have to stay married now or find somebody with a C. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. Going through recruitment agencies or being found mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and stuff. Yeah. Did that mean that how you put yourself out there online, your website, stuff like that, was that fairly secondary? Because to a lot of freelancers, that feels quite important. Mm. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if I was a graphic designer or a, a copywriter, um, I think their website is a lot more detailed, a lot more. This is what I do. This is how I do my work than a, a lot of web developers because a lot of web developers you're kind of employed for what you can do what you've done before and what technical skills you have now you could all list that on like one page really um but i think with like a graphic designer you've got to have your website's got to look nice you can have examples of your work on there with a web developer and back when i started it was just like cv with a list of technical skills and a list of the places i worked at now it's getting a bit more that you're uh, you're using sites like um, GitHub to sort of show code that you've written or projects that you've worked on. You can put your code and your project on those type of websites and people start to look at those a lot more. So it's a different way for my say, graphic designers, um, but you can show your work more than I used to. So if I go to your website mm-hmm. today, so mm-hmm. CGC, well, we'll put a link at beingfreelance.com, <laughs> but cgcsoftware.co.uk, mm. would that be quite different then from how it used to be? Yeah, well, it used to be um, it used to be very boring and a lot of, I've done this, I've done that. And then I, I spoke to 
uh, what was her name? Sophie. And she was on one of your episodes once and she was talking about the copywriting and the work that she did and what she did for people's websites. So I contacted her and she sent me loads of questions about what I do, um, how I work, all that type of stuff. And she came up with the copy that's on that website and she called, gave me sort of like a structure for it to sort of show. I sort of said what I wanted to try and get out of it. And then she sort of gave me the ideas and the saying, this is what you could structure it. So I then put it all together. So now it's a lot more of a, uh, it's more divided into like what I've done, what services I have, can offer, you know, why would you come to me? What else have I done outside of just um, like some of the other projects I've done, that type of stuff. So it's more of a, an all over, I think, if you want to work with me directly kind of website. Um, and it was, yeah, it's a lot better now than it was. And do you find that works for you? It has and it hasn't. It hasn't really, um, I haven't got loads of uh, direct work through it. I've got more through LinkedIn and social media, I'd say. Um, but I think what happens is people may see who I, and then go to the website and read through it to see what else I've done and just sort of get a better idea. But it doesn't really get a lot of um work directly but I don't really do a great deal of blogging on there which is something I should do more regularly because that's quite a good way of getting in work because you're starting to write regularly people start to read your articles it gets more promotion that way somebody might forward something you've written and then people start seeing you as a specialist in something and then it slowly snowballs and gets bigger and bigger until you're, you're finding that people say well I need somebody who can do this and then your name's like on top of the list or higher up a list of people, you know, it comes um, springs to mind that your name is like somebody they could contact to help out on it. Or you've written about something that they've got that problem with. So they might come to you and say, well, we know you wrote this about fixing something. We've still got that problem. Can you help us? And you get work that way. So it's, it's definitely worth something I should spend more time on and build up some more, but I just haven't at the moment. Yeah, because that's the thing. You do you do write, including mm. not just blog posts for your website, but you wrote a book, right? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. A few years ago, yeah. <laughs> what was the thinking behind that and how, how did you find it? Uh, so this uh, this very uh, big technical publishing house sort of came to me and said, We'd, I think it was because I was writing about something called Ionic, which was like a mobile app development uh, framework and they came to me and said would you write a book on it we've got an idea of something and they sort of gave me a title and then I started doing it but I don't think I was as because they just like they want you to do it really quickly so they get the book out and I was a little bit slow because it's the first time I've written a book so I was spending a lot of time on it as well as working full time and then they um, they sort of said well can you just do this bit instead so they cut it down and changed it a little bit and then it I was nearly finished it, and they said, we're not going to release it, but you can keep all the content. I thought, oh, that's right. So then I went on to LeanPub, you know, the self-publishing site, right? and I put it through that, and I released it through that, So because I don't know what I'm writing for it. But, yeah, it's it's a learning experience writing a book because you think you know something, and then when you start really diving into it, <laughs> there's so much that you learn. But um, I think finding the time and putting in the effort is it's a lot more work than you'd think, but I did enjoy it. It clarified your thinking. Yeah. But have you got anything else out of it? Like, does anybody mention it? 
because you know i see it on there and i think because it's it's by the way it's called getting started with angular mm-hmm. um no i don't know really what that means but i'm <laughs> imagining but if you use angular then that that would make you go oh wow well he must really know what he's talking about with angular so um yeah has has it helped you it has a bit i think it um i think after i did it i went into interviews technical interviews and when i was chatting to clients i thought I knew a lot more and I felt more confident. And so I could go in there and I knew that any question they'd ask me about it, I'd probably be able to answer it, you know. So I had a lot more confidence in talking about Angular than I did before, I think, because I I spent all that time researching it and writing about it. So that helped. And I think that came across in my interviews, which meant that I got the job pretty, you know. I knew as soon as I went for that interview and I came out of it, I felt confident that I was going to get that job. So that definitely helped. I think um, it also did help when people were looking at uh, like a list of candidates and then they go on there and they see that I had written that book about it. So, yeah, I must um, really know what I was talking about. So I think that helped. Um, I don't think I ever got anybody sort of saying, I've read your book, will you come and work with us? So that never really happened. But I think writing a book as a developer helps you have a good understanding it does give you that kind of um that level that you are a specialist in that and i think that helps with opening doors to other things eventually and did you or maybe somebody else like then take that getting started with angular and turn it into a course yeah so that was uh, a company and they contacted me and said we'd like to, yeah to turn it into this course and yeah they took all the content in there and just created all these image. Um, they split it all up. They rewrote some parts and asked me if that was okay. And they did all of these images and they converted it into the course. And they sell it through their site. And yeah, I get a little bit from it every once in a while. And that's not a great deal of effort. So I spent <laughs> all, yeah, I spent all the time on that co- uh, book. But I think the course has done better, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that did well. So actually, reflecting on it, you, you're you glad you wrote that book? Yeah, and I, I would do another one. You will? Am, yeah, I am thinking of doing another one as well. Because it gives you that, that's, like I say, that specialism. You, you really focus on a topic. And if you want to work with something, I think spending that time writing it really uh, gives you, you know, a good grounding, technical grounding in it. You kind of got to learn all of it to talk about it and it's the best way of understanding something is by teaching it so i think yeah i think i would definitely do another one Mm. on a different topic though but i would do it myself and not through a well i say that if a publishing company said to me we'd like you to write one and they (laughs) didn't say we want it done by next week that would be better or else i'll do it myself with Stephen in a moment, but I just want to let you know that this episode is also brought to you with the support of Ipsy. Ipsy are an amazing not-for-profit membership organisation here in the UK who work with and for for self-employed. Yes, people like you and me. I've been a member of Ipsy pretty much since I went full-time freelance. I have life assurance through them, illness and injury cover, jury service cover, things like that. They have lots of events, both in person and online, so that you can meet people and 
and learn. And they have a cracking perks system. So you know like people who work for an actual company might get money off at certain shops and things like that. I save money on supermarkets, technology, eating out. But one of the reasons I really believe in being a member of Ipsy and paying my dues each month is because they represent freelancers to government. They give us a voice to the powers that be. So if you're in the UK and you're self-employed, I hugely recommend you check out what they offer. Go to ipsy.co.uk to find out more. That's ipse.co.uk. Right now, let's get back to Stephen's episode. So when you say, you know, you might work on quite a long contract Mm -hmm. so you're working for one company your head is down you're working on one thing how does that actually look like are you just working you know monday to friday nine to five working on that one thing or do you set aside time for your own stuff uh when i was working on site um it was yeah nine to five you'd go down there as um just be working on you know, sitting at their desk working all day and then you might when you get home you might try and find some time to start doing something else as well maybe you wanted to learn something new so you'd be doing a course or you think you want to build a project for yourself or you want to learn something new or you want to start doing something differently so you start doing some work at home but yeah it was mainly nine to five and on site at somebody's office but now now um with the remote i still work like nine to five on this one project but what i do find is i could finish a little bit earlier than five and maybe start earlier as long as i'm getting their work done afterwards i can move on to something else so i might be doing i might start like let's say in this book i might start getting ready start building up for that so start doing all the example code projects for that before I start writing it, start building those things out. Um, so you can concentrate on other things. What I do, I don't really find that you can take on like two, three clients at a time because you've got so much work to do for one client. It's Some people can balance it, but I don't really get that where I get um, more than one client working on one project. So it's usually one at a time for me. It's always been that way, actually. But you do still do side projects? Yeah, because basically, as a freelance web developer, your skills aren't up to speed and you don't know the latest stuff or the things you've done were, are out of date. You'll find it hard to keep working to find new projects because in a web development world, it's always it's so fast paced. There's new things coming out all the time and it's, it's crazy. So you've got to keep up to speed with what's going on, what uh, trends are, what technologies are being used and what people might want. So you do have to spend a lot of time learning new things building side projects that you might not even put out there, but you're just learning how to use a new technology. You're watching a lot of courses, you're watching a lot of stuff on YouTube. So you're doing a lot of work about keeping your skills up to speed. And that's what most of my side projects are. And then every once in a while I might do something like, like I said, the book, that was a big one. Mm. Now I introduce you as a freelance web developer Mm. already the word angular is being thrown around like i know what it means mm-hmm. which doesn't make me think actually like do you have a, a specialism is there a niche like did you just get me to call you a web developer because <laughs> because you were being kind to me or is that how you portray yourself online ordinarily anyway so yes and no 
So I would say I would go for a job as a front end developer or web developer. But then when you look through like what they want you to do, they will say, we want you to be, um, we use this tech stack to build our projects. And that could be Angular, that could be React, that could be something else. Um, so I decided to focus on Angular because I'd used it a lot. And I'd then I did the book and I spent a lot of time on that. So that was the sort of um, avenue I went down as an Angular developer. But it has it does change over time. I mean, I've you do specialize, but what I found is I've specialized in about four different things over my career, and I probably I think now I'm looking to do something completely different from Angular, so I might move away from that. But still doing web development in a different tech stack, but then you specialize in that. So I could say I am an Angular developer, or I could say now I'm a Vue.js developer because that's the new thing I do. But it all comes under this being a web developer. It's just how you build projects, what tech stack you use. When you say, you know, that you've changed specialism, is that just kind of like a natural to see where the wind takes you and just start for applying for those things? Yeah, it has pretty much been like that. Yeah, every time I sort of change specialism, it's just because, so like for now, I've done Angular for the last few years. This current project, I'm using something called Vue.js, which is another framework for building websites and web applications. But I quite like it. So I'm thinking I might start specialising in this for a little bit. And it's because I've just got exposure to it from the current project I'm on. And so what I have found is it's never been like I really set out to change to do something. I get exposed to something. I'm starting to use it. And I think, oh, I like this. I like this way this works. I was specialising this for a little bit and then something else might come up and I specialise in that. But it's it's making sure that you're saying that this is what you do and this is what you specialise in and everything you're writing about is about that. So you get known as somebody who specialises in something. How have you got on with like the business side of freelancing? Or was it kind of dictated to you by agencies? I think at the beginning it was agencies just sort of sending me off to to work on projects and I think now as I've been doing it longer and longer the business side has become more and more important to me before it was just uh, I needed a bank account I needed a business name I've got an invoice um, and that was it but now it's more I think as I've gone along and I'm starting to do different things like like I said the book and the course maybe doing another book and things like that the business side is coming more important to me especially as you know as I'm getting older as well, and you're thinking about, I don't want to be just one of these people who just go and sit somewhere for three months working at somebody's desk and then going somewhere else. I might want to build it into something that's a little bit more varied um, and might be better for the long term as well. So the business side, I'm beginning to look at and build upon and maybe look at different things to try and you know, build more of a business that can support me longer term than just something that's a company name and a bank account what does that look like for you like you know you're thinking about long term mm. i don't know how old you are by the way uh, yeah, i don't think it's rude to ask a gentleman <laughs> i'm <laughs> gonna say you're in your 40s yes i'm 48 are you <laughs> yeah hang on. yeah i am so <laughs> <laughs> were you actually checking no i am so you're in your later 40s mm. 
how does that change the way you're thinking then? And, and what is it that you're thinking? Because it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, so uh, I think now, as I'm older, when you go for, say you go for jobs now, there's a lot more younger web developers there who may be in their mid-20s and 30s. And say they go work in a startup. A startup might want somebody who's going to be there, you know, all odd hours and just work really hard. And as I've got older, I just think that's not for me. I would like to work remotely all the time. I would like to eventually maybe not working on one project from Monday to Friday. I might like to do three days a week on one thing, two days a week on something else or more consulting than just development. So that could be, you know, a couple of hours with one person, a couple of days with somebody else. And then maybe that the last couple of days, last day of the week, do my own thing. So like, um, my own projects, open source development work is quite popular and something that I'd like to get into. Uh, writing more as well. That's definitely an avenue I like to build upon and converting those into courses as well. So moving away from just being a developer sitting at a desk, coding away all day long, but expanding it into other areas because I think as I get older, I don't really want to be just going down, sitting at somebody's desk for eight hours coding away with my headphones on. Mm. So actually that long-term picture mm. is more about how your week looks, like how you spend your yeah. time. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting you say about consulting because I must say, like when you were talking about the book and the specialism and things like that and then the course, I was thinking this actually kind of reminds me of, and this is quite a long time ago that I spoke to him, Jonathan Stark. Mm. Yeah, I know. I mean, now he does. If you've not heard that episode, I think he was a developer. He wrote a book about a specialist subject, and then he became a consultant about that subject. And now he also explores how to sort of ditch hourly billing and and uh, and be a consultant and that kind of thing. But that, yeah, that actually sounds quite similar. Yeah, I do know about Jonathan. Well, I don't know him personally, but I know him, and I remember that episode. And it does seem like a lot of people now don't just develop for eight to ten hours a day on one project there's a lot of other things that people are doing as well like open source projects where they're coding on libraries and projects that help that other people are using that becomes quite big and i think web developers now have a lot more avenues to doing other things now and i think as i get an older i don't want to yeah i want to start getting into different things and maybe you know changing the, the way my working week is because I've got more time now, I think, because my family's older. I've got more time mm. to sort of build a business that's going to support me when I'm older. So then I could quite easily, you know, take a week off, but still be getting an income in at the same time, you know, through yeah. books and courses and things like that. You, you mentioned holiday, though. Does mm. that mean, ha have you struggled over the past, I don't know, 10 years? Yeah. 10 years. Of taking time off, out, taking time off. At the beginning, yes, because you don't really have... So, you know, when you have a, your company, you've got to build up money in your company to pay yourself. I think what I found at the beginning is there wasn't a great deal there because you just started. I think now after 10 years, it's a little bit easier for me. So I could take a week off and it doesn't hurt too much. But I know that when I come back, I'm doing something. I've got work to carry on with. So that helps. So it's a little bit better than it was, definitely, yeah, so... But it um, takes a long time, I'd say. Hmm. Another thing I was wondering was 
um, you know, you're talking about Twitter and LinkedIn and things mm -hmm. like that, when you're working on those longer-term contracts, but also you're now thinking about, you know, perhaps transitioning from that, how much time you spend, in quotation marks, sort of like staying visible, like mm -hmm. marketing yourself, I guess, yeah. uh, in whatever way that comes to you. That is something that uh, you do have to spend more and more time on now, I think. I do have to do more, especially on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn's become quite popular and quite useful now. It can be quite powerful, but you have to put the effort in. You know, say you do a full day's work and then you finish and you think, well, I don't really want to sit in front of a computer now and then start writing big posts on LinkedIn. But you do have to start doing that stuff. But it's again, it's like... Um, you start off slow and over time it takes the effort and then eventually things start to, to pick up. But it is a lot of work up front that you have to do. But it is, I think it's so much more important now than it's ever been, this whole self-marketing for you know freelance web developers and web developers in general, really. Even if you are working for somebody, a lot of people now are still out there writing, doing open source work, and they're still working full-time for companies. But that's because how... Companies find web developers now. They might find them through their, uh, their open source work, their Twitter, their LinkedIn, and then they go to one permanent company to another, and they're not freelance. So it's very mm. important, I think, now. Have you ever been tempted to do that, to go in-house, I guess? You see a job that comes up, takes your fancy, but it's not freelance, it's permanent. Like, Have you been tempted? Mm, no, ah. because one, I could work on a project and I'd be working with full-time developers, you know, permanent developers and contractors. And I see all the, um, the things that permanents have to go through. So there's like all these, every couple of months, they've got to say what their targets are and they have to have all these meetings about it. And I just think, oh, that's such a pain. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. And then also I can go, well, I'm not really enjoying this now. I want to try something else. So I'll just get to the end of my three months and say, thank you, uh, I'm going to go and do something else. But with a permanent, it's it's so much harder to change. And if you're uh, working on the same sort of project all the time, your skills can get, because uh, you'll say at that one level, as a contractor, you can go, well, I, uh, I want to do something different. Oh, I want to specialise or I want to learn about something else. So you'd finish a contract, you might take two weeks of just studying, doing some project work. And then you can say, right, well, now I'm going to start applying for some of these jobs where I'm using this new technology that I want to get into. Then you can start going for interviews and you've got the knowledge behind all through all this studying that you've been doing to go for it. And you might get this new job and move on to something else. And I think that gives me more control over what I do for my career um so i've never really been i've never tempted to go back to being permanent now stephen i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me okay so number one i am grade eight in classical guitar two i met the comic book legend stanley and uh number three i'm a black belt in the martial art created by bruce lee <laughs> all the leaves <laughs> Okay. Um, where did you meet Stan Lee? I mean, Stan Lee's the, the legend yeah. of Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was at a convention down in London. I think I queued for about two hours 
And then you get in there and you see this little old, old, little old man. I didn't really feel sorry for him. And he was sitting there and he's got all these geeks lining up to have a photo taken with him. And um, they just get shoved through, photo taken, shoved through. And so I queued for two hours and I saw him for about two minutes. But it was nice to meet you. But he's just this little guy and he just says hi. And he's got, you know, very he had a very distinct voice. Yeah. So it was kind of cool when he says hi. You're like, oh, Stanley. <laughs> wow. Do you know what's quite nice, if that's true as well, is that <laughs> He definitely doesn't need to do that for the money. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> like some of those people at Comic Con type yeah, event. Yeah. Um, but he, he so he's doing it for the fans. I like that. Okay, if it's true. But maybe you put the word Stanley in because you also have Bruce yeah, Lee. Just ooh, thought, mind oh, let me put another <laughs> Lee in. Uh, so you're a black belt. Black belt in what? Uh, it's called Jeet Kundo and it's uh, created by Bruce Lee. Jeet Kundo. Yeah. And have you done tournaments or? I have done a couple of tournaments, yeah. Um, it didn't go too well. <laughs> I ain't deny. I ain't deny. But uh, yeah, I spent years doing it, training in it. I haven't done it for a little bit though, but yeah. And then when you have this grading for the final thing, it was just hours, took hours, and it was so much hard work. But yeah, I got there eventually. Okay, and but you're also a grade eight mm. classical guitar. Yeah, yeah. When did you do your grade eight? I did it uh, a few years ago. So I, when I was younger, I was really into, I think it's about 25 years ago, maybe, yeah, 20, 25 years ago. I was really uh, into electric guitar as well. And then that's when I think John Williams started. I started getting into him, you know, the classical guitarist, John Williams. And so I started looking at that and then, yeah, started doing the grade. So I think I did my grade eight 15 years ago. I could skip the first couple. Because, yeah, like one, two, three, four. I think I started on four because I was okay at playing a guitar then. And then, yeah, I just had to go through them. And they went, oh, they're terrible. You have to learn all these pieces. And then you have to perform in front of people. Um, it's terrifying. But, yeah, I stuck with it. Okay. I, I I was starting to not believe that. And then you said that you skipped the first few grades. And I yeah. thought, oh, maybe, maybe that is true. Because it's like really beginner stuff. Right. I'm now trying to decide whether getting to the top of the tower in this martial art is similar <laughs> to getting to the top of the tower in guitars, because grade eight is the final grade, right? Yeah. So he's, oh, have you copied those? But then why Stanley? But Stanley links to Bruce Lee. <laughs> would Stan, Stanley probably would do that. Oh, I no idea. These are all quite convincing. Actually, the one which is... No, I'm going to say you're not a black belt in whatever the heck that was. That's the lie. Uh, afraid not. It's the classical <sighs> guitar. <laughs> no! <laughs> can you play the guitar at all? I can play the guitar. I don't do classical guitar. I actually play jazz guitar, actually, at the moment. Have you got a grade in any guitar? No, no, none of them. Oh, you stinking liar! <laughs> no, I, I really wanted to. Uh, when I was younger, I thought, oh, I will play classical guitar, but it's really hard. <laughs> okay Stephen if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be I think it would be to specialise in something um, that's fine if that specialism changes over time but I think specialising is so important now because you, you can just start to set yourself differently from other people all your marketing around it as well can be focused around that and I think that really helps you set yourself apart from others even though others are doing something similar but you can be really this is what I do and if you need somebody to help doing that, I'm the person for that. So I would say specialising. 
Stephen, really good to talk to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. There's links through so that you can find uh, Stephen online. Uh, reach out, say hi, and uh, check out his website as well. And, hey, if you want to get into Angular, you know where to go now. <laughs> and, of course, uh, if you've enjoyed this, please do think about leaving a review and make sure you check out the other episodes as well. There's nearly 300 now. It doesn't matter what they do it's all about the being freelance but for now Stephen thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you very much yes it is Stephen thank you very much to him he is a freelance parent I'm a freelance parent if you are too you want to check out the other podcast I do it's called doing it for the kids since you've got this one open why not go search for that and if you could do me a solid favor it would be to review this podcast rate and review Uh, it really does help so i would appreciate that immensely hopefully though i'll see you over in the being freelance community because remember you're not alone being freelance click the button that you'll find at beingfreelance.com all right i'm out of here you have a great week being freelance